Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Rushville. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Rush County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. We'll get to the news of backup quarterback Sam Ellinger making the start, getting the nod as the number one. Matt Ryan benched. Shoot, I think he's third down on the list, Hammer. Um, yes. <laughs> he's number three now. Um, we'll get to that. The Colts loss, a bunch of other things. This hour, uh, first things first, Indy awakening to reports of a double homicide, if confirmed, that is 24 in 24, 24 homicides in 24 days. Now, how could that be? Because two months ago, there was a big celebration. Some city leaders, some civic leaders, they got a cake. Everything was going great, Nigel. Yeah, and I saw uh, somebody on Twitter the other day uh, with a beer outside at a bar at Mass Ave, and he said, boy, I don't know what people are talking about. Indy's the safest city ever. Look, I'm drinking a beer on a Sunday afternoon in Mass Ave. I'm not worried about the crime. Uh, I don't understand. They are called indie crime deniers, I believe is what they're called. The media narrative is that this is a safe city to live in, nothing to see here. And I love how local media absolutely loses their crap over one IMPD officer who was indicted for excessive force, but it doesn't bat an eye at the crap we're talking about right now. Bingo. Sorry, this is not a safe city at this point if an officer passes gas at somebody <laughs> it is going to be the top story on channel 13 and a lot of places but you know multiple homicides overnight eh, it's just what we do here apparently this is not acceptable it's not and you look at the numbers here there's a homicide every 38 hours in indianapolis this year 3.2 people are shot or stabbed every single day in the city of Indianapolis this year. Uh, we are going to go over 200 homicides again unless something drastically changes. Well, hey, wait a minute. That's what he talked. We're not going to break any records. We're not close to breaking it. We're not going to break records like we did a couple of years ago. But being in the top three, is that grounds for a celebration? No. Like some of these city leaders had? Hey, we didn't break the record. We're in the top three. Hot damn. Let's run outside at midnight, and it's going to be fine. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Indianapolis has a higher homicide rate per capita than Chicago. That's crazy. That is nuts. I always check the Chicago numbers, and they seem... They're higher, obviously, but per capita... It's 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 right up there. It's right on par, and that is nuts. And listen, if you think this is unacceptable, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat, because let's be honest, it's not like if Cindy Carrasco is elected the prosecutor, your life in terms of a political standpoint is going to change a lot. This is about safety. You know, the prosecutor is not going to work on your taxes. The prosecutor is not going to tell you where to take your kids. The prosecutor's job is to make sure that this is a safe city. So if you are a card-carrying Democrat, if you're somebody that votes blue all the time, 
you guys do what you want, but remember, you have a choice here. You've got somebody that wants to be tough on crime and somebody who said in a debate that downtown's safe. Downtown is safe. Everything's fine. And if you don't believe me, this is the difference in the candidates from that last debate. Our reputation that our city, that our downtown is not safe, is not good for business. It's not good for Marion County, and it's not good for our city. First of all, downtown is safe. Uh, Downtown is safe. And you know what happened right after that debate, Nige? Those words from Cindy Carrasco, this isn't good for our business. Guess what Starbucks did? After that debate, they said, you know what? We kind of agree. We're done here. We are not going to be operating downtown on Monument Circle because we fear for our staff. Longtime uh, staple of Monument Circle, Starbucks. Been down there forever. And then just a, a few buildings over that barbecue place shut down. I know the owners personally. They said after the riots, they had no faith in the administration that they would ever get protection uh, from them and shut right down. And that happened a couple of years ago. But I'm just saying it's not uh, the first time a business would shut down purely because of a risk of safety of their employees. Did your friends in the barbecue shop or did the owners of Starbucks talk to the guy having the beer on Mass Ave? Because he said <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> you always, I mean, you see that either the obligatory, you know, like it'll be a nice day, and some liberal blue check mark will take a picture of their beer in the background in the street ahead. I don't know what people are talking about. Seems pretty safe out here to me on a Sunday afternoon when it's 75 degrees. If you have to do a victory lap on not being shot, (laughs) perhaps that tells you exactly what's going on in the city. Well, I didn't get shot today. You're not supposed to be shot! (laughs) Sorry, I went full Rob Kendall right there and went off the rails. You're not supposed to have gunfire coming at you. There's a vein popping out of your neck, Hammer. Are you, are you okay? That's the problem. And listen, it's not just me saying this. Joe Scarborough, morning freaking Joe from MSNBC. We're going to play you a soundbite here. We played this last week, but I think it bears repeating. Now, here's what I want you to do here. Every time Joe Scarborough says the word Philadelphia, in your mind, I want you to replace that with Indianapolis because it's the same story. When you have cops quitting left and right in Philadelphia because they don't feel like, you know, they're, they're not going to risk their lives so they can arrest people who are going to be out on the street the next day. And then you have progressives telling people in Philadelphia, telling these people, oh, you're wrong. Don't believe your lying eyes. Don't believe the fact there's something wrong for you for being afraid to go to work. There's something wrong with you for being afraid to go home, as they were talking about right there. It is just really progressives on crime in places like Philadelphia and New York are so extraordinarily clueless. Substitute the word Philadelphia for Indianapolis, and it holds up. And just a side note, uh, Scarborough was partly talking about Fetterman there running for Senate in Pennsylvania. He was a big backer of Krasner, the radical Soros-installed DA. Big backer of that guy. And Indianapolis, yeah. you have the opportunity to change the way we do things in this county. And I'm asking you, what do you have to lose? I don't care if you're a Republican, a Democrat, a Libertarian. If you think what's happening right now in Indianapolis and Marion County is okay, then by all means, vote for the incumbent. But if you think having 200 homicides every year is unacceptable, and some of these violent, just horrific repeat offenders getting back out on the streets from sweetheart deals, if you think this is a problem, 
You've got options in the prosecutor's race coming up in just a couple of weeks. Uh, Big Nige, let's shift gears a little bit if we can here. It's time to check in with wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss dealing Joe Biden. I got hairy legs. Take a test where you're taking cocaine. Come on, man. You ain't black. So Joe Biden had a very interesting interview with NBC News. At one point, he says it's okay to be concerned about the age of a political candidate. I I think it's a legitimate thing to be concerned about anyone's age, including mine. I think that's totally legitimate. But I think the best way to make the judgment is to, uh, to, you know, watch me. You know, (laughs) am I slowing up? Am I don't have the same pace? Or, you know... uh, and that old joke, you know, uh, um, everybody talks about the, you know, the new 70s, 50s and all that stuff. You know, I, you know, it could be, <laughs> I, I'm a great respecter of fate. I could get a disease tomorrow. I could, you know, drop dead tomorrow. Jeez. But I, you know, in terms of my energy level, in terms of how much I'm able to do, I think people should look and say, is he, does he still have the same passion for what he's doing? And if they think I do and I can do it, then that's fine. If they don't, then they should vote against me. Not against me. They should encourage me not to go. But that's not how I feel. I can't even say the age I'm going to be. It's because you forgot it. <laughs> I think that's actually going to be his campaign slogan. <laughs> Biden, I could drop dead tomorrow. <laughs> Can't you see that on T-shirts and billboards and yard signs and commercials? Oh, wow. This message brought and paid for by the Joe Biden campaign for president. Uh, I could drop dead tomorrow. Um, And here's the other part of that NBC interview that was really interesting. So I don't know if he, like, spaced out or if he almost fell asleep, but he's having a conversation here. There's like a really long pause where he's just looking off in the distance and the host of MSNBC (laughs) doing the interview, I think gets a little concerned. I have not made that formal decision, but it's my intention, my intention to run again. And we have time to make that decision. Uh, Dr. Biden is for it. Mr. President. Oh. <laughs> Dr. Biden Hello. thinks that, uh, my wife thinks that, uh, uh, anyway. that, I, uh, <laughs> that, that, we're, that we're doing something very important. He has anyway. no idea what he was just asked. Like his eyes were kind of fluttering. He's like, I swear he fell asleep in the middle of that interview. He has no yeah. clue what the question was at I, all. I think he's setting himself up to bow out for 2024. Especially with that previous clip you played where he's saying, yeah, look, I could come up with a disease. I could drop dead. Yeah, you're right to be concerned about my age. But just watch what I do. Watch what I say. Yeah, that's the problem. We have been watching what you do and what you say. You look like a doddering old fart. (laughs) (laughs) And you say things that don't make any sense. And you're going to be 80 years old uh, next month. (laughs) Biden, he could drop dead tomorrow. (laughs) Make sure you register to vote. And we're back. The Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIPC. This God bless Texas with his own. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Sam Ellinger. 
Drafted by the Indianapolis Colts in the sixth round uh, 2021 NFL draft, I believe, Hammer. He's a backup quarterback, has been for the past couple of years now. Texas is product. the starting quarterback, yeah. I think he's a product of UT Andy, a very famous uh, Westlake High School in uh, Austin, Texas, where I think like uh, what, what Drew Brees and Nick Foles all, all played at that. That's a, that's a breeding ground for for high-profile quarterbacks. Like the way we pump out high school basketball players in the state of Indiana, Texas does that to quarterbacks and football players. So he's the guy now. He is the starting quarterback, and it's for the rest of the year. This isn't some one-week stopgap. According to uh, all the reports, this is Sam Ellinger's team moving forward for the rest of the year. Matt Ryan injured? He's got a shoulder issue, but uh, according to Frank Reich in the press conference earlier today, this was a move that was going to be made regardless. So is this uh, exciting for fans, or is this like the Colts thrown in the towel? All right. (laughs) Well, I spoke to Kevin Bowen earlier, and I'm not sure if we're going to make a run or we're tanking. I'm not sure which one we're doing at this point. I don't know, because the AFC South is so bad. If you get hot, you could still win it. But at the same time, I wouldn't be angry if they tanked out and got a good draft pick at this point. Is all this on Matt Ryan? I mean, the pass protection was, shall we say, subpar. Uh, He was on his butt more than me on college football Saturday (laughs) on the couch. But he wasn't touched the, the, the game before against Jacksonville. So, uh, yeah, it's a couple of really bad interceptions Yeah, from Matt Ryan. And man, brutal, brutal, boring Colts game. Man. Leading the league in turnovers with the interceptions and the fumbles. And somewhere in Washington, D.C. right now, I know he's injured, but you got to think Carson Wentz is pulling up to the stoplight like 50 Cent in that one gif that people share on social media, <laughs> just kind of smiling and driving <laughs> off because he was blamed for all the problems here in Indianapolis. Oh, well, should have got the vaccine. That's right. Right. You had local writers offering to drive him to the airport to get him out of town. Man, it's a mess right now. But we'll see what happens. There's a home uh, game I'm, coming up this weekend. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm going to definitely tune in. I'm not going to not watch the Colts game. Uh, Netflix has decided to keep its binge-watching model. Uh, Yeah, that was something we were talking about a couple of months ago. They were toying around with the idea of slowly releasing their episodes like one by one kind of like what hbo max does HBO that max, stinks that was not the business model from netflix it was binge watch uh, policy where they released all the episodes at once and you could watch them whenever uh, you want you didn't have to wait so i think it's a good good uh, good move by netflix now just in case this decision went the other way here at the hammer and nigel show we had another idea ready to roll uh but this time we went out to monument circle we picked up a few meth heads and we were ready to start a new business venture move over netflix now there's an online movie rental service that combines convenient entertainment with the exciting side effects of delicious methamphetamine (laughs) yes it's methflix methflix our movies are recorded without sound so the voices inside your head won't be interrupted and all of our movies are fireproof able to withstand any exploding trailer mishap 
lost. Every movie we offer has twitching, toothless meth users in mind, like Forrest Gums, Butch Kerosene and the Sudafed Kid, and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest immediately after his stove ignited. Sure. So the sure. next time you're able to stop picking at your skin long enough to watch a movie, rent it from Methflix. It's new from Hammer and Nigel uh, Productions right there. Forrest Gums. Okay. <laughs> um, so where are we at with these <laughs> lunatics that are like throwing paint and throwing food and all these things against these famous paintings? Because it happened again today. Some climate protesters threw mashed potatoes <laughs> at a uh, piece of art from Monet. Um, and then they they're usually the MO is they'll glue themselves to the wall. To make some statement over climate change or, uh, I mean, that's usually what it is, is climate crazies, these climate freaks. Um, I'm, I'm like the one last week they didn't, they threw uh, tomato soup all over the painting. It was behind glass. They cleaned it up. It was back to normal in a few hours. The one, the one, my favorite, I was reading about one over the weekend where they, in Germany, these climate, uh, cultists broke into like a Volkswagen. It was either a museum or a dealership or something and glued their hands to the ground. Same, same deal complaining about the, uh, uh, but they requested that the people at Volkswagen provide them with bowls so they could urinate into. No, I want to release a bear. Yeah. If you're like stuck to the floor after being a pain in the ass, that's where we're bringing in the bears and the cobras. And they were they were tweeting, these protesters were actually incredulous that the, the employees of Volkswagen, this place where they broke into, they're trespassing, they glue themselves to the ground, would not provide them with, with, with bowls to defecate and urinate into. In fact, they turned the lights out on them, turned off the air conditioning and said, um, all right, or turned on the, I turned off the heat and said, all right, good night. You guys, we like what you're doing. We we you know we approve of peaceful protests, but we gotta go. And the protesters were offended that they couldn't at least get a bowl to pee into. The way I see it, there's two options: arrest and prosecute these losers, or beat the hell out of them. And I'm kind of leaning toward option number two. Oh like boy. I don't want anybody to get bullied. Being bullied stinks. But if anybody has to be bullied, these climate jackasses right here that are trying to ruin art and make big spectacles of families trying to have a good time. These people are the worst. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel show. The only way to bag a classy lady is to. Give her two tickets to the gun show. It's Monday Gun Day with the gun guy. Just watch out for the guns. They'll get you. Guy Rilford. Stop calling your arms guns. The Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIBC. Yeah, I'm Nigel. Hammer's here. Guy Relford's here. He's a Second Amendment attorney and also a Second Amendment scholar. (laughs) He's a uh, licensed firearms instructor, host of the Gun Guy Show right here Saturdays on 93 WIBC. Guy, how are you? Great, Nigel. And thanks as always to our sponsor, Fort Liberty Firearms in Avon, 8401 East Highway 36. Great place to buy firearms, ammunition, or accessories. And check out their new safe room where they're selling quality American-made safes. That's FortLibertyFirearms.com. So we got a lot of things to get into too, but we have been talking a lot about the prosecutor's race on this program. Last week, we had one of the fathers of one of the FedEx victims join us in studio, Jeff Blackwell. His daughter, Samaria, lost her life. And the question then became, did Ryan Mears drop the ball on the red flag case? We've talked about that a lot. Since then, Ryan Mears has done a couple of interviews where he's talked about the red flag laws in Indiana. Guy, you've heard a lot of those interviews. 
do you think he even understands the law? No, clearly not. And and by the way, just to back up just a little bit, your guys' segment with that father was some of the most powerful radio I've ever heard. Thank you. So bravo to you guys, because that was amazing. That was must-hear radio. I'm well, sure, it was I, all him. I mean, it was all Jeff. Right. Well, he yeah, poured well, his heart out. Uh, but you guys yeah. did a fabulous job with the interview, and that was, uh, you know, it, it, it gets to me even yeah. thinking back on it. Sure. But, uh, but, you know, to answer your question, Jason, uh, clearly the guy doesn't understand the statute because he, he the, the one interview that I saw most recently, I think it was Fox 59, they said six questions for uh, prosecutor Ryan Mears, and they, they went down through it, and they said, look, you've gotten some criticism for not having implemented the red flag law in the context of the, the, the FedEx shooting. And we, you guys and I have talked about that now multiple times, that, that the, the family, the mother and the sister of the FedEx shooter red flagged this guy, meaning they went to the police and they said, he's dangerous. He just bought a gun. He wants to commit suicide by cop. And the cops went to the house and they seized a shotgun that he had just bought. That then went to, that report then went to Ryan Mears' desk and it sat there and he did nothing with it. The guy then went out, bought two rifles, committed the FedEx shooting. And he obviously got a lot of criticism for that because he had a mechanism in front of him to prevent that shooter from buying those guns. But he denied that. He specifically denied that in the Fox 59 interview because he said, well, if you read the red flag statute, it says nothing about buying guns. It only says cops can take a gun someone has away from them. It, it has no effect on their ability to buy a gun. And, and guys, when I read that statement in that interview, I about fell out of my chair. Because I was involved in the legislation, the bill where we amended the statute in 2019. Yeah, you rewrote it. I, I, you we amended rewrote it. Yeah, the yeah, red yeah. flag law. And look, and, and some of the things that some legislators were pushing for, I was pushing for more due process in it, which we accomplished. I was, I was, um, I was fighting for, to narrow the definition of who's dangerous because it was way overbroad. We got all those things done. But one of the things that was also done at the same time is the statute was specifically amended to say that if you're found to be dangerous, you are a prohibited possessor. It is illegal for you to possess a gun. You go into the NICS database, the National Instant Criminal Background Check System run by the FBI out of Wheeling, West Virginia. You go into that system as a prohibited possessor. You cannot buy a gun. And if you get, if you buy a gun, you say from a private individual or on the street, whatever, then it's that's illegal. You can go to jail for that. So we specifically amended the statute in 2019 to make someone a prohibited possessor. So if you're truly found to be dangerous after you have full due process you have your lawyer you can present evidence but a judge still says no you're in imminent danger to yourself or others at that point you cannot buy a gun legally period and for the prosecutor of marion county who's mr anti-gun by the way they all are all these radical anti anti-gun progressives are 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 don't like uh legal you know uh, responsible citizens owning their guns for no, personal right, protection right. they hate it exactly but but for him to sit there and say if you read the statute it says nothing about buying guns i about fell out of my chair because it very specifically does this is a guy responsible for enforcing the laws in marion county who has no idea what the hell this law says Unbelievable. And again, if you're going to be the guy that comes out and says guns are the problem for everything going on in this city, yeah. why are you so soft when it comes to these types of situations? There are multiple sweetheart deals with gun 
folks that he has let back out on the streets. This red flag case, either he's lazy or grossly incompetent. But Maybe they, it's a little bit of both. And they took well, the responsibility out of his hands. Well, right? that's right. He said, well, I, I, what he's saying is, had we filed the red flag case in the FedEx shooter situation, it, it wouldn't have affected anything because it wouldn't have prevented him from buying the guns that he used in the FedEx shooting. And that's either an in competent statement completely inconsistent with what the law says or it's an outright lie because there's no way there's no way that that's accurate in any way since in any way shape or form if they'd have filed the red flag case if he would have been found to be dangerous he would have been a prohibited possessor and he could not have bought those guns legally he would have been denied a background check when he went to the gun store where he bought those guns he's trying to avoid responsibility by either being grossly incompetent on what the hell the law says or lying at least to fox 59 and by extension to the voters in Marion County as to what actually the law is and is not. But am I am I right in think, thinking there was somebody did something like the judges a judge took the responsibility of him handling red flag laws out of his hands because of this because of his incompetence. No, right? exactly right. The, am I the, right about that? The, the, yeah, the, the the presiding judge, um, the administrative judge in Marion County. Amy Jones, I believe, Judge Amy Jones is her name, um, after this colossal fiasco and failing of uh, Ryan Mears' office, exactly as you said, Nige said no. Now, and this is what the statute says, by the way. Marion County was doing it inconsistent with how the what, how the statute sets it out. The statute says if cops take a gun away from someone because the cop believes that that person's dangerous under the red flag law, they shall file a report, an affidavit, within 48 hours in court and the judge then determines probable cause, and if there's probable cause, they have a hearing. That's what the statute says. What Marion County was doing is cops would take guns away from someone, believing someone's dangerous. They would submit a report to the prosecutor's office, and the prosecutor's office would then decide whether to file red flag proceedings in court. That was never That's never been how the statute's read since we've had the statute, which has been since 2005. So all Marion County did, and, and I believe, again, with full respect to her, I believe her name's Judge Amy Jones said, no, we're going to start doing what the what the statute actually says we're supposed to do, which is the cop files the affidavit in court. The judge then decides how we go forward. And meanwhile, Ryan Mears can say, oh, it wasn't my fault. Right. right? He can yeah. hold his hands up right. and say, oh, well, no, it wasn't me. But it sure as hell was in the context of the FedEx shooting, because that said yes. on his desk. Right. Yes. And he didn't file the, the proceeding in court. Guy Relford's with us. It's Monday Gun Day here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. So on the heels of Ryan Mears not knowing what the red flag law actually means and does in the state of Indiana, let's go to the president, Joe Biden, who knows less about firearms. Yeah. I didn't know if it was possible, but take a listen to what Joe Biden had to say over the weekend. My, my, my legislation says there can be no more than eight bullets in a round. Okay. <laughs> You can't have more than eight bullets in a round, guy, <laughs> according to Joe Biden. Why do I, I have I, a feeling that most anti-gun nuts think like Joe Biden does and have no idea what they're talking about when it comes to this kind of thing? <laughs> you know, th- there are websites, you guys, that and people send me these links all the time. You can go to, and, and it is a continuous stream of politicians saying idiot things, <laughs> idiotic things about guns. I mean, one lady said, well, if we ban high-capacity magazines, then it, it'll be great because as people use them, up, then there won't be any left at the end of the day. Thinking that a, a magazine that you put in a gun 
that holds ammunition is somehow a a one use item like a band-aid right. or something you know like a kleenex i don't it's a know COVID test. Yeah, That's what it is. they'll use them all up and they'll go and eventually they'll go away i mean over and over again and and but no i mean eight rounds eight, eight, no eight bullets eight in a bullets, round yes and and I, I I don't even know what to do with that. <laughs> that's just that's too stupid to even dig back up. And it's discuss. like we're on Celebrity Jeopardy right now. Like you know somebody like Sean Connery just mooed, yeah. and you're Alex Trebek, <laughs> and we've reached the new low. <laughs> did you see what yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty Boy Trudeau up in Canada did over the weekend? I think this was sort of uh, this is something that happened late last week or over the weekend, announcing a, a ban on handgun sales transfers. A bunch of different things up in Canada saying, quote, fewer yeah. guns means safer communities. And I was just thinking, man, there are a lot of anti-2A, anti-gun nuts in this country that would like to see the very same thing happen. Can you kind of expand on what he did? Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, this, and this is what, by the way, the so-called assault weapon ban that was passed in the House this year in, in the U.S. and is now sitting in the Senate – uh, it did is it is it bans any more importation or manufacture also bans any transfer so it's it, it says well we're not going to come take your gun away from you but you can't ever transfer it can't so give it to somebody else yeah so what happens to that when i die if i can't transfer it then right? they come get it then then <laughs> it goes to the government i suppose yeah. or you have to you know destroy it or, or get rid of it somehow and now, you can always trust the government i mean let's be honest always exactly <laughs> and, and 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 but what this what this what this says to me in canada is exactly what we've said all along because you know we keep getting called you know as second amendment advocates like you know like i clearly am we keep getting called paranoid oh guy no one wants to come take your gun yeah. well then all of a sudden we've had people like beto come out and say oh no we want to come take your gun right you beto know, wants to knock on your door guy Relford and ask you to hand over your handgun. Yeah, really bad idea. <laughs> but 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 what's but what's funny is they keep saying, oh well, yeah, okay, uh, we we said we didn't want to come take your gun, but now we only want to come take your evil assault weapon. Because, and you know means. we don't care if you have your handgun, and we don't care if you have your shotgun for hunting. We 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 we, we deem you uh, you know appropriate. You know you can keep that those guns. But see, once they get the the one thing, they get the assault weapons. What's the plan? It's all incremental. It's it's death by a thousand cuts. It's exactly what it is. They say, okay, well, okay, well, we 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 took your assault weapons, but now we still have too many murders. So yeah, I guess we do have to come keep your hand, handguns. That's yeah, the have ammunition version handguns. of two weeks to flatten the curve. Yes, right well, there. no, exactly right. So so okay, I guess we do need to come get your handguns. That's the next step because they started with assault weapons in Canada. They got that done. Now they're going after handguns. Then I guarantee you, the first time they have a murder with somebody's hunting shotguns after they ban handguns, they're going to go. Oh, well, yep. I guess we didn't accomplish what we needed to accomplish. Now we need to come get your hunting shotguns as well. It's it's a war of attrition. It's death by a thousand cuts. Everything they get, it only ratchets in one direction. And every time you give up a right in any country, it, it you never get it back. Right. right? And that's Two weeks to flatten the curve turned into people having their businesses shut down, kids not going to school. Yeah, you never get it back. And, and so I've had people hit right here on this station. I was doing an interview with, with Ethan Hatcher, and Ethan goes, well, guy, you know, you gun rights advocates, I think you're making a big mistake because you never compromise. You, 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 you never reach for common ground. You never, you never say, okay, we'll give you this because you'll preserve more rights later on. I went, Ethan, brother, I love you, <laughs> but that's not how this works, man. I go, every right they get from us, they're gonna go. It's a, it's a ratchet. You know how a ratchet wrench wrench works, right? Right. They get they that, they, and, and, they, and, they get that half turn. It never comes back. And that gun and all legislation goes one direction. And that's a gun le legislation that's in the Senate right now. They've uh, Democrats have admitted this isn't the end of it this is just no. the start of it 
No, it, it, it said it, it out loud. It's a ratchet wrench, man, and that's and that's why you just have to say, no, look, it's not a privilege; it's a right. It's a right guaranteed me in the Constitution, and I'm gonna fight every inch. I'm gonna fight you on every inch. And compromise is not part of the vocabulary because you're giving up rights you'll never get back. If somebody wants to continue this conversation or find you, how do they do that? First of all, you listen to my show on Saturdays, five to seven uh, p.m. Uh, on ninety-three WIBC, or you can contact me through RilfordLaw.com. Guy Relford, thank you. Love you guys, man. Thanks. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. You believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is right over there. Breaking news if you're a Colts fan. Uh, backup quarterback Sam Ellinger. Back up no more. He's starting uh, this week against the uh, Washington Commandos. Commandos. None of them wear underpants. <laughs> so, Matt Ryan has been benched. He's actually injured. They were going to make this decision either way, though. Injured. Wink, uh, wink. Right. So uh, we'll have more on that coming up. But right now, Hammer, we are 15 days away from the midterms. So let's do some midterm stuff. Rolling. Debates. Fetterman. Eagles (laughs) are so much better than Eagles. Midterm stuff. So listen. There's a lot of issues people are concerned about when it comes to the midterm election. But inflation is by far and away number one. What's happening with this country and our money, our economics, the cost of living, inflation is by far the number one issue. And we make fun of Nancy Pelosi a lot, and rightfully so. But I'm not even mad at her for this. So she did an interview with uh, Face the Nation. And listen, I think this is brilliant. She says that when I hear people talk about inflation, we have to change the subject. Uh, when I hear people talk about inflation, as I heard him there, we have to change that subject. Inflation no kidding. is a global phenomenon. Yeah. The EU, the European Union, the UK, the British have higher inflation rate than we do here. It's not the fight is not about inflation. It's about the cost of living. This is like OJ coming out saying, you know, when I hear about double homicide, I have to change the conversation. Of course you do. Of course, because they don't want to talk about it. They want to talk about Roe v. Wade. They want to talk about how uh, the the police are going to swarm uh, a house with a woman that had an abortion in it. Have you seen the social media erupted when Eric Swalwell's ad depicting women arrested for abortion? They don't want to talk about the economy. They want to talk about um, Roe v. Wade. They want to talk about about January 6th. They they want to talk about a bunch of stuff that we're not concerned with. That's why Nancy Pelosi is saying we have to change the subject. (laughs) We got to change the subject. I get it. Um, I'm not even mad. She's, I mean, good for her. Like, I think she knows her time as the House Speaker is starting to run out. So she's just going to say whatever. Yeah, whenever they start talking (laughs) about important stuff, we have to change the conversation. Okay. And that's, and look, those are the talking points. You've heard the talking points now several times in terms of inflation. Well, uh, actually, it's just, this is not just an American problem. This is happening all over the place. Well, no, it's worse in other places. No, it's worse here than, like, say, Mexico. And that, those stats she was reading off about where it's worse is not true. No. Not, that is, I mean, we need to, I'd like to fact check that in terms of, 
how bad inflation is in the UK and some other areas of the world compared to the and United nobody States. gives a damn even if it were nobody cares like go into a grocery store and tell a mom who's got three kids and she's trying to get enough groceries to get them through a week of school with breakfast and dinners and stuff at home hey if it makes you feel any better Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi said the UK is worse <laughs> oh hell why didn't you say so man we're gonna buy the expensive food this week hot damn so ridiculous uh meanwhile in pennsylvania uh fetterman of course running for the senate seat dr oz is his challenger kaylee mcenany former white house press secretary now she's on fox here she is highlighting three times that john fetterneck three <laughs> times has acted in his role as the attorney general to be the lone vote to release brutal first-degree murderers. Here are just some of the convicted murderers that Fetterman put in the lone vote. He was the only one to put back on the streets. Take a look at these men. John Brookins, he was convicted of first-degree murder for killing a 58-year-old woman with a pair of scissors. Hmm. Alexis Rodriguez, convicted of murdering a 17-year-old. Rodriguez bragged about beating the 17-year-old boy with a baseball bat. And then there's this third one. Again, remember, Fetterman's the lone vote here. Wayne Covington, convicted of first-degree murder for shooting and killing a teenager in cold blood for heroin money. He's a lieutenant governor. I think you said attorney general. But, but that, that's lieutenant how, governor. That's, I mean, that's Fetterman. That, that's the guy Dr. Oz is going up against in Pennsylvania. Pro-criminal. Uh, he is definitely pro-abortion when it comes to late-term third trimester post-term abortion made no uh you know made no bones about it that's the guy that you have to watch for that's why people have to pay attention to these uh these elections these midterms outside of indiana because there's some really important elections happening so another key state that a lot of people are zoning in on for the midterms is arizona and we've been talking about katie hobbs and how gutless this woman is because she won't even debate carrie lake they're running for the governor's seat and katie hobbs won't even debate carrie lake even abc news yeah. is starting to call her out Confirm why not challenge her though in, in a public forum i'm just curious uh, as far as I'm concerned, the debate about debates is over. I'm running my campaign the way I'm running my campaign. I'm going to continue to make the case directly to voters. The, the case you make to them, and not to, to belabor that point, is they, they do. They, it, they are tough times for a lot of folks. We talk yeah. about the economy, inflation, and I know there's a rising cost of living here. Uh, people are putting somebody in that office that they want to stand up for them and fight mm-hmm. for them. At worst, it could come off as you're scared to step on that stage. And at best, you're not willing to confront. We're in a new era where, where sometimes some politicians are seen as bullies. And we've been taught since we were little kids, you got to stand up to a bully. You won't, you, you understand how that might come across. How do you make a case? We want to send you to fight for us, but you won't even step I, on stage. With I have it. stood up to this bully for the past two years. Uh, and that's, and Arizonans have seen that. And I'm going to continue to do that. Like ABC is giving her a pep talk almost. Yeah, but they're still calling her out on it. Uh, they were being as friendly as possible with it. And people like Hobbs, here again, just, just as an example, they, they don't want to have to answer tough questions 
about Roe v. Wade. They don't want to get back into a corner having to admit that this, yes, we're uh, in favor of a third trimester, late term, up to the moment of birth abortions. They don't want to have to debate that because that's their stance and they can't go anything less than that. She can't they go on the record of saying, yeah. we want this border to be open. Exactly. What's happening right now in Arizona is just fine. Exactly. And Carrie Lake has just been wiping the, I mean, the the social media, been wiping her clean, man. It's been, it's embarrassing for Hobbs because Carrie Lake is very, and that's the other thing, Lake is polished. She's been in journalism for decades. She was a, a news anchor and a broadcaster. And uh, she didn't take any crap. I like her. So over the weekend, what should have been the debate ended up being just a televised event, a basically get to know Carrie Lake because Katie Hobbs did not show up. And the question was asked to Carrie Lake. All right. The Super Bowl is coming to Arizona this year. If you win this governor's race, uh, you'll be sworn in just a couple weeks before the big game. How would you respond if the NFL started pulling some of the crap that Major League Baseball did, threatening to move the Super Bowl because of one of your political policies, like, you know, wanting to be tougher at the border or something like that? You want to tell me that a bunch of football teams owned by billionaires are okay with fentanyl pouring across our border at a record level, killing our young people? Number one killer right now is fentanyl. 18 to 45. It's killing a generation of people. If the NFL is okay with that, then they got to do some soul searching. I don't think the NFL is that stupid. I really don't. So you're, you we wouldn't be concerned about sure that? sure that we're stopping the cartels. Okay. No, I'm not concerned. Okay. The people of Arizona is who I work for. And that's why I'm here with you today, Mike. This is a job interview. This should have been a debate, and we are doing a job interview. And you, the people of Arizona, are the hiring agent. I will be working for you. And unfortunately, my opponent doesn't have the courage and doesn't have the respect for the people of Arizona to show up here, sit on this stage, and take these same questions. But I'm not going to be taking marching orders from the NFL. I'm taking marching orders from the people of Arizona. I don't think the NFL has actually said anything about that, though. I mean, it's it'd be almost impossible for them to move the Super Bowl. Right. But it was a hypothetical question. I get what she's saying. Right. That's so awesome. I mean, it is a job interview now. Hobbs doesn't want to debate third trimester abortion. She doesn't want to make debate defunding the police. She doesn't want to admit that she's soft on crime and wants uh, no cash bail. She doesn't want to admit that she loves the open border. And, and this is the strategy the Democrats, uh, by and large, have right now. She just gave a one-hour-long statewide free commercial to Carrie Lake. That's all she did by not showing up. Wow. Emma and Nigel presents... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? Yeah, Hammer, how do we play Is This Anything? Almost had a little Kool-Aid man right there. Kyle, I haven't had it in a long time. Can I get an old-fashioned, just for good old time's sake, Kool-Aid man? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> is this anything? I run stories by Nige. He tells us if they're anything or not. It's pretty simple. It's kind of Randy Macho Man Savage, too, though, wasn't it? 
Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Take it. Very distinct differences between Kool-Aid Man and Randy the Macho Man. <laughs> it's kind of like when he does Luke Bryan. You know, yeah. Luke Bryan's also got a little bit of Cleveland from the Cleveland show. I'm Luke Bryan. Oh, yeah. I'm Luke Bryan. Cleveland. <laughs> and your Joe Biden once in a while crosses over into Madden. Hey, say Joe, boom, talk to acting to acting. All right, let's get going here. Um, is this anything? A Cleveland man is charged after calling a random business to pay $5,000 for someone to kill his son. <laughs> Apparently, he dialed the wrong number, and the person he wanted to reach was just one number off. Here is the actual phone call the father made and <laughs> the police captain explaining what happened. It's time. My son's name is It's a five grand hit on it. It sounded like somebody was trying to hire somebody to hurt somebody, another person. I don't give a where he at or what he doing or who he with. Kill that He did admit that it was him on the phone and he did try to call somebody was trying to set up actually hurting his own son. He said it was alcohol-fueled, and uh, they had an argument, and yeah. he blamed it on alcohol problems. I mean, that's usually the response when you get in a fight with a family member, right? And there's booze involved. You call a hitman and offer them $5,000 to murder your son. <laughs> Seems a yeah. little extreme. I think this is something. First of all, I, there's no way in hell this this guy that called the number, it was one number off, has $5,000 to his name. Right. Uh, and second off, who is he calling, by the way? Like, what number was he calling? Who was Like, I need some more information on this story. Was it a Chick-fil-A that answered? <laughs> <laughs> but who was he trying to call versus who he called? Yeah. Right. Um, play the, can you play the beginning of that? It's time. My son's name is It's a five grand hit on it. It sounded like somebody was trying to hire somebody to hurt somebody, another person. I don't give a where he at? Or what he doing? Who he with? Kill that. He did admit okay, that. You can stop it. So let's just, for argument's sake, oh, here, Nige. Man, that's sad. Let's say you wanted to put a hit out, not necessarily on your kid, <laughs> but on anybody in the world. Would you be able to make a phone call and have a guy that could execute a hit? And let's just say this: if I were to be able to call a guy, and I know somebody that, w that would execute a hit, would I leave a voicemail telling him to do so? <laughs> would I leave? Some some sort of trail in other words am i am i leaving a voicemail and say hey yeah here's five grand i need you to kill my son and if he doesn't call back is there a follow-up <laughs> phone call uh yeah hi this is kenny i'm just following up to see if we're still good to go <laughs> for the, that uh, hit on my son at the very least a text a follow-up text <laughs> right hey did you get the, the the voicemail about the hit on my son five grand need it done by tuesday Kenny, thanks. <laughs> I have a lot of questions here. Me too. Is this anything? A Florida middle school student has been accused of stealing around $13,500 in cash from her grandparents oh. and then handing out the money to students at school. Oh, he's making it rain in the bathroom, probably. Buying friends. Also called joining a fraternity when you get to college. Um <laughs> 
I'll wow. forget the main tweets for that one. Here is uh, Michelle Spaulding, a parent of one of the kids that was offered money, speaking out about the situation. She was like, yeah, mom, the child did come up to me and asked me if I wanted $100. And she said, no, it's got to be stolen. I don't want nothing to do with it. I really hope it gets recovered because that's so devastating. I feel really bad for the family, for sure. Yeah, of course, this is something and it is stolen. And you got to go back to the kids that accepted the money and say, hey, give it back right now or else you're going to jail. $13,000, 13,5 in cash? Where so, are the where whoa, are the whoa, kids whoa, whoa, and where are the, where's the family the the families of the kids that accepted that cash? So you think those folks that accepted the cash from some kid going up and down middle school hallways, here you want 50 bucks, you want 100 bucks, you want to put them in federal maybe, pound me maybe, in the backside prison? Maybe not in jail, but at the very least they need to give the money back. Yeah, and they need to be confronted about that and say, "Hey, that wasn't your money to take." Give it back immediately, or there will be repercussions. Okay, so I think it comes down to a debate of, is it considered stolen money, or are you expected to do the right thing? Because there's a lot of people who, if they're expected to do the right thing, will say, bite me. Well, it's stolen money, for sure. Okay. And then that's where you get a hold of the parents, and you get them involved and say, hey, however much money your son or daughter took from this kid, it needs to be given back immediately, because that was stolen money. Okay. I, I'm good with that, but I think locking the kids up in the joint. Yeah, maybe locking them up was big. That's what Ryan Mears thinks every single Republican <laughs> wants. He wants to lock up kids. They want to lock up everybody all the time. Let's pump the brakes just a little bit here. Uh, last one. Is this anything? Here's a woman walking onto her front porch and into her husband's fart. Come on, let's go. Is your apple? If you want your apple, you got to come inside. Oh, did you? What is that? When are you like farting? Yep. Did you fart? Yep. And then let me walk right into it? I didn't know that it was going to be bad. <laughs> Come on. I need a girl in this house. Sorry. I need another girl in this house. Girl. All right. This is There's something for sure. I love how it's just, yep. That was me. Play, play the beginning again. Or he, he finally just gets caught. Did you fart and you let me walk into it? Yep. Come on. Let's go. If you want your apple, you got to come inside. Oh, did you? What is that? When are you like farting? Yep. yep. <laughs> Can't even hide it at that point. I mean, we've all been there, haven't we? Oh, yeah. You, you let out an SBD, just pray nobody smells it, and all of a sudden your wife walks by. Oh! <laughs> Gross! <laughs> Just another reason why my wife doesn't want to have anything to do with me physically. <laughs> like, I, and then they ask you the question. They already know the, oh, answer. They know the answer. Did you fart? <laughs> yes. They just want to see what the answer is going to be. They want to see what you could come up with so they can bust you up a little bit more. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Yeah, about an hour from now, we'll get our uh, friend Kevin Bowen from 107.5 The Fan, our sister sports talk station on the phone. He'll break down the uh, the big news today for Colts fans. Matt Ryan benched. Sam Ellinger is now your starter for the Indianapolis Colts. We'll call KB at about 5.30. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the drivehubler.com hotline. Tommy Piggott is the RNC rapper response director and he joins us tommy a couple big things happened over the weekend and i want to get to both of them the border numbers being treated like it was some sort of late afternoon email that went out the old (laughs) news dump on a friday i want to get to that 
But I'm curious about this lawsuit that the Republican National Committee has filed against Google. What can you tell me about this? Well, it's really a response to Google's efforts to really suppress RNC get-at-the-vote efforts, RNC emails. What's happening is basically towards the end of every single month, for 10 months in a row, our deliverability on those emails goes to zero meaning those emails are being diverted to spam boxes as opposed to people's inboxes. And we all know that we don't check our spam boxes. So what that actually does is has a huge impact on the ability of the RNC to get out the vote, to fundraise. And it's really uh, a concerning uh, bias of Google because it's not happening to Democrat emails. So we've tried to work with Google. We've tried to get answers. We've tried to get transparency. Again, this has been going on for 10 straight months, and we've gotten none of that from Google, none of that at all. And it's really unacceptable. You know, I would think, like, I keep on hearing that Republicans are a threat to democracy. They're a democracy. They have questions about the uh, election in 2020. They're a threat to democracy. They, uh, Trump supporters, all these, I mean, those, those three words, threat to democracy, over and over and over again about Republicans. But I say big tech colluding with Democrats and uh, to squash stories like the Hunter Biden story before the election, and now this lawsuit, I would say that's much more of a threat to quote unquote democracy that than than any of the other things that they mention well it really is a threat to democracy i mean think of what the fundamental operations of a political party are one is to get out the message one is to fundraise and one is to get out the vote those are essential components of what it means to operate in our democracy and google blocking those emails to get out the vote to fundraise and to get our message out really affects the fundamental operation of of what it means to be in politics in this country. That's a huge threat to democracy when you're actually putting your your thumb on the scale. There was a study uh, out of a university in North Carolina that examined this over the course of several years where Republican and conservative emails were filtered to spam at a drastically higher rate than Democrat emails and cost something like $2 billion in fundraising comparatively between Republicans and Democrats. That is a huge sum on the scale. It's a massive threat to democracy. And the fact that we've gotten no answers from Google, in my mind, shows they're not really operating in good faith to solve this problem. This has been going on for 10 months. So enough is enough. This is really important that we hold big tech accountable. And you're right to bring up the Hunter Biden story because it's not just Google. It's across the board when it comes to social media platforms where big tech has really been putting their thumb on the scale. So, Tommy, let's go back a year, maybe two years. What was the percentage of emails that you had that went to somebody's inbox and was delivered properly compared to what we're seeing now? Well, what happens at the end of every month, it goes from something about 90 percent deliverability to zero percent at the end of every single month, around the last four days of every single month, uh, which are really every single day is crucial, but those are some of the most crucial times when it comes to fundraising, getting out the vote, et cetera. So the last four days of every month, it goes from about 90% deliverability to 0%, with no explanation from Google, absolutely none. And that's not happening with Democrat emails. And again, this has been 10 months in a row. You could maybe say, oh, it was a glitch for one month. Oh, we didn't know what was going on. That None of those uh, responses explain what's happening. And Google has not been operating in good faith to really solve this problem. Again, 0% at the end of every month. It really is just astonishing when you see this graph. It's a back and forth, sort of looks like a sound wave almost. Uh, and it's really, really concerning. And it really is a threat to democracy to have this type of suppression of our get-at-the-vote effort. Has anybody responded to this lawsuit from uh, that operation from Google? Uh, Not that I've seen in terms of an official response, but what I do know is that there's been 10 months of Google not operating in good faith. They've tried to put out sort of these 
these uh, uh, excuses, if you will, if you can even call them that, trying to uh, explain, quote unquote, what's happening. But time and time again, they try to say it could be happening for X, Y, Z reason. Each one of those reasons is proven false. There's just been no explanation from Google to why this is happening, uh, which is why we need to hold Google accountable. Tommy Piggott is our guest. He's the Rapid Response Director for the Republican National Committee. So on Friday, there's a thing in our industry, in broadcasting and in news, called a news dump, where if you don't want somebody to cover an important story that might make you look bad or somebody you care about look bad, you drop that story after 5 or 6 p.m. on a Friday because the next day is Saturday. People aren't paying attention to the news cycle. The morning shows aren't on the way that they are through the week. It's called a news dump. And this past Friday, the news dump was some of these numbers at the border. Tommy, what can you tell me about these numbers that clearly the Biden administration does not want people to see or talk about? Well, the reason why they're trying to hide them, and again, you're right to, to point out the timing of this really means that they were trying to hide them in a, in a Friday night news dump. It's the worst September at the border on record, the worst one on record. And this fiscal year, which the government fiscal year is October through September, this fiscal year was the worst fiscal year at the border on record. This is the worst border crisis in history. And they're trying to hide these numbers because of the, the real fact that it shows our border is not secure. So counting gotaways, which are illegal immigrants that have escaped into the country, uh, we're looking at something north of 4.7 million illegal border crossings just since Joe Biden took office. 4.7 million. And along with all those border crosses, crossings are the deadly fentanyl, are the cartels, are the historic number of terrorists that we know are crossing the border. This is a national security threat, a humanitarian crisis. And for them to try to hide it instead of solving this problem shows the Biden administration has no interest in actually securing our border. And by the way, talk about gotaways for a second. I mean, you mentioned the terrorism aspect. We, we've, we know we know the, the number of terrorists uh, on the terror watch list that have been caught. But we don't know who was in the the group with the gotaways, which are uh, you know upwards of I think I saw since last September eight hundred thousand dollars or eight hundred thousand illegals uh, crossing the border that got away. That we don't know who they are or where they're at. Uh, that's exactly right, and that's why. So basically, what a gotaway is is you know there are cameras, maybe a border patrol e- uh, agency, someone cross the border. These are recorded instances of someone being seen cross the border and escaped into the country, meaning they weren't apprehended, they weren't arrested, they weren't stopped. They successfully crossed the border and entered the country without being apprehended. There have been nine hundred thousand known gotaways since Joe Biden took office. Nine hundred thousand. And we know already that 98 terrorists attempted to cross this border or suspected terrorists, at the very least, attempted to cross the border just this fiscal year. And so it would be naive. Experts tell us it would be naive to assume that those people that don't want to be caught are somehow these great people. No, they're they're criminals that are trying to enter this country. So it's extremely concerning. Again, looking at some of these numbers, it's unbelievable. Uh, This is a 374% increase on the average number of apprehensions in September during September's during the Trump administration, 374% increase on apprehensions at the border. That's exactly right. And the reason why those numbers are so important is because of how it completely breaks the system. This is not people that are just coming and presenting themselves with what happens is the cartels. And again, Biden CBP is telling us this. The cartels are directing and telling migrants where to cross the border. They are telling illegal immigrants cross the border here, completely take up all of the Border Patrol resources in this area. So the rest of the border in this area is completely unpatrolled. 
meaning that cartels have operational control of our border. Narco terrorists have control over our border right now under Joe Biden because of the huge number of people that are crossing that is completely breaking the system on that level when it comes to stop people from crossing the border in terms of being able to deport people in terms of being able to process people there is no system right now that is operational on the southern border and it's all because joe biden has decided to prioritize opening the border as opposed to securing the border and protecting american communities is this number uh, almost twelve thousand unaccompanied children that's that's was that just for september as well did i get that right yes that is just for september. oh wow i mean right <laughs> this tommy this is i mean that's more than just a crisis a humanitarian crisis i mean i i there's part of me that does not blame people coming from these countries uh directly as a result of joe biden's policies promising uh free health care promising um uh, you know everything that that america has to deliver promising work but the way they're getting here through tra- uh, traffickers, through um, you know dangerous crossing rivers, people are um, these people are dying, and the twelve thousand unaccompanied children is just is heartbreaking, and it's it's more than it, it's it's a humanitarian crisis at the border. Uh, that's exactly right, and that's why there used to be bipartisan consensus back even under President Obama saying that we could not tell people to come like Joe Biden is doing now. We couldn't have policies that encourage people yes. to hand their children over to traffickers because it's we don't even know how many children are dying along the way along this incredibly dangerous journey we have no knowledge of that it's 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 uh, considered the deadliest or one of the deadliest border crossings by the u.n the u.s border is considered one of the most deadliest border crossings that that is how much of a humanitarian crisis this is the most migrants have died this year trying to cross the border than ever recorded in history so you're exactly right to point out that this is a humanitarian crisis and the only people benefiting from this are these evil cartels that are taking advantage of people that are taking advantage of Biden's open borders policies. Well, Tommy, for those who didn't see the numbers because of the time of when it was released, is there a place somebody can go that would like to see the breakdown of all of the September numbers? Well, two of the best places to go, and one of them is gop.com slash news. We break down all the numbers. We get in depth in terms of what uh, what the numbers are telling us, but they can also go to cbp.gov. Uh, and there's a section there that breaks down southwest border encounters, and so they can get those numbers straight from the source as well. But both of those places are great places to go. Tommy Piggott is the RNC Rapid Response Director. Tommy, thank you so much for your time. Hey, thanks for having me. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. So uh, Matthew Perry, uh, most famously... Uh, from Friends. Chandler. Chandler Bing from Friends. He's got this memoir coming out uh, next month. Friends, Lovers, and Big Terrible Things is what it's called. Take a wild guess. I, I don't even know if you could... I don't even going to come close. How much money he's spent on rehab before he turned 50? Oh, I mean, can you do wow. maybe like... Can, Probably... Close to a million, I would guess, right? Kyle, I mean, do you, should we play like an over-under game? <laughs> kind of like cameo prices yeah. right here. I'm going to say $1.4 million in rehab. Okay, Kyle. I'm going to go... I'm going to go higher. I, I think he... $2 million. $9 million. Oh, get out of here! <laughs> $9 million bucks on rehab? $9 million. Wow. Before he turned 50. 
Wow. Uh, here he is in an interview with Diane Sawyer that I think it airs this Friday night. Uh, and in the preview, he lists kind of what the substances were that he was doing and the Friends cast member who reached out during the most while he was in rehab. This kind of begins with Diane Sawyer reading the first page of his new book. You start with a thunderclap. Hi, my name is Matthew, although you may know me by another name. My friends call me Maddie, and I should be dead. Yeah, that's definitely true. You're on methadone, Xanax, full quart of vodka day? 55, like in a day. Jennifer, and she says, we know you were drinking. Yeah, imagine how scary a moment that was. She was the one that reached out the most. You know, I'm really grateful to her for that. So Jennifer Aniston was the one, that, the, the friend that reached out the most. 55 Vicodin a day, a day and a full quart of vodka? I mean, that's that would kill somebody. Like, and he was doing that daily. Every day. Like Unbelievable. I, I felt like crap when I had that thing in my neck a couple of weeks ago. My doctor gave me some hydrocodone for the pain, and like I was taking two a day for like three days, and I felt like I kind of had the flu afterwards, and that was me coming down off that crap. It, imagine coming down off 55 a day, and uh, combine that with Xanax and uh, uh, Cordovaca. No wonder I spent $9 million. I get it <laughs> so now. For, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I got to be honest, this is probably the most shocking interview ABC has done since Diane Sawyer uh, sat down with Chris Christie. Your critics call you a hothead. Do you need anger management? Shut up. I think it might have been Barbara Walters, actually. <laughs> but, Barbara uh, Walters. Speaking with Chris Christie Shut right up. there. Uh, <laughs> real quick, uh, we got sad news here. The co-founder of Red Bull has passed away. Oh, big fan of the product. Sugar-free, especially. Austrian billionaire yeah. Dietrich Mazark passed away at the age of 78. Here is audio from a Hammer and Nigel show reporter covering his service. The co-founder and owner of Red Bull has passed away. Doctors tried to kickstart him and give him a jolt, <laughs> but he no longer had any energy. Oh, come on. Some people say he was a monster. Others thought he was a rock star. Got it. Okay. Instead of a casket, he was buried in a slender silver and blue aluminum tube. Mm -hmm. The funeral lasted five hours. <laughs> now that he's passed, he realized that Red Bull didn't give him wings, but heaven did. Reporting from the founder of Red Bull's funeral, I'm Howie Caffeinated. Oh, All right, thank, thank you. you. Top stories next. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Bottom of the hour. Kevin Bowen from our sister sports talk station right upstairs. 107.5 The Fan will call the drivehubler.com hotline and uh, break down Sam Ellinger, our new starting quarterback for your Indianapolis Colts. Matt Ryan has been benched. In fact, he's injured right now. And he's third on the totem pole with quarterbacks. Nick Foles, I believe, is number two. But the fact that he's injured has nothing to do with why he bent. He is benched, right? Right. The press conference earlier today made it sound like whether he was healthy or injured, this was going to happen. So as the Colts take on Washington this Sunday at uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, Sam Ellinger will be making his first NFL start. And right now, looking at Bet Rivers, the Colts are still favorites. 
Colts are minus two and a half uh, home favorites against Washington this Sunday. Well, they good. I mean, especially with Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz on the uh, injured reserve now. Well, they got a I mean, backup quarterback too, Taylor Heineke. But they beat the Packers yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Now, Packers are struggling a little bit, but uh, we'll see, man. I, I Again, I don't know if this is going to be promising or if they're tanking. I really have no idea what's going on right now. <laughs> I'm going to watch either way. I'm, just, I'm not going to wa- not watch the Colts because their backup quarterback is stored, starting. But right. Did, Don Brady got beat too, didn't he? Brady and Rodgers are having some problems. Right. Look at the group that beat those two guys this yeah, weekend. Yeah. Taylor Heineke and Philip Walker <laughs> beat Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers this past weekend. That's unbelievable. Um, in an interview with a Minnesota TV station, your vice president, Kamala Harris, says that it's misinformation that she promoted that Minnesota Freedom Fund, that super progressive, super far-left organization that bailed out violent criminals after the Summer of Love in 2020, the George Floyd riots. She's now saying that it was misinformation that she promoted people donating to that cause. I want to ask you, uh, the Minnesota GOP is holding a press conference this afternoon to criticize you for your support a couple of years ago, before you were the vice president, for something called the Minnesota Freedom Fund that was really set up to help those who are arrested after the, in the aftermath of the George Floyd riots, help them get out. It's since been sort of morphed into something else and has been used to help people get out who've been accused of, of many other crimes. Do you have any thoughts about this? I think that, unfortunately, what we're seeing are, is people are, are playing political games right now. We're 18 days away from midterms, and um, we have sadly not seen a lack of misinformation and disinformation, uh, and and I think this is another one of those examples. But she tweeted about it. Right. She's a liar. She's I mean, lying right through her teeth. June 1st. 2020 posted at 4:34 p.m. Eastern Time. Kamala Harris tweeted, and I quote: "If you're able to chip in now to the at Minnesota Freedom Fund to help post bail for those protesting on the ground in Minnesota," she attached a link that was June 1st, 2020, 4:34 p.m. It's all there, black and white, clear <laughs> as crystal. So you get nothing. nothing. You lose. Good, Good day, day Kamala. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, again, the, the protests in 2020, protesters. More often than not, those protests, especially Minnesota, where it all went down, and Black Lives Matter, they the rioters, the protests would turn into riots. And so they set up like the bail project here in Indy. No, there's no such thing as a riot, Nigel. It's so, mostly peaceful. Mostly peaceful. And this fund was set up to 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 get people bailed out that were rioting. And now she's trying to quote. I, I love how she uses the word misinformation. It's that word has been so watered down almost as much as racism, where it has no meaning anymore. And it, it, just a side note: Kamala Harris in Minnesota stumping for Roe v. Wade, raising awareness about abortion rights, which nobody cares about in the first place right now. I'm not saying it's it's not a controversial issue. I'm not saying that there's people that are concerned about that, but it's not August, okay? Uh, <laughs> people are concerned about inflation and gas prices, and she's in Minnesota talking about abortion and lying. And I hate the word gaslighting, too, but that's exactly what she's doing. Right. She's full of crap. Tweet, Can we say that? The tweet is still up. Yes. As, 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 as far as I've seen, the tweet is still up asking for donations to this thing. 
I believe it was George Costanza who once said, and I quote, <laughs> Here it comes. It's not a lie if you believe it. And Kamala Harris, she feels like that uh, it's not a lie, yeah. even though the tweet is still up. Uh, Mondo, fire up the uh, DEFCON 1. We have a hypocrisy alert. Known weenie Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> and his private jet burned $158,000 worth of fuel in two months. Now, that's despite his uh, frequent climate change activism. What would you say? How much? $158,000 worth of fuel in two months. Holy crap. Uh, in two months, the carbon footprint of one Mark Zuckerberg... It was 15 times larger than the average American's carbon footprint annually. So in two months, Mr. Climate Change, that little curly-headed little weenie from Facebook, (laughs) the one that wags his finger at you all the time, he's spending what most people do in a year in just a couple months, Nige. Well, uh, you remember we had this story a couple of weeks ago how the UN and Google have, have pretty much colluded to squash anything that pushes back on climate cultists and their agenda. They had somebody from the UN say they own the science. Remember that, remember that clip we played? Oh, well, look, you know, we can do this now. We have ways because we own the sirens. Zero, <laughs> zero the naming deba- rights to science. Yeah, was the, we own the right, uh, the, the rights for climate science. Zero debate, zero dissent. They own the science. They know infinitely better than anybody else. The science on climate change is settled because they say it, so they own it. So uh, they can do whatever they want. And they have no repercussions. So it's it's Mark Zuckerberg spending two hundred grand on f- fuel for flights. It's it's Leo DiCaprio preaching on Twitter about climate change. Uh, him and his his uh, his pee posse, uh, <laughs> right. uh, on yachts and private uh, private planes. It's it's the it's Frankencarry, the climate czar. Flying, flying private all over the world. It's Just not that he example. needs to fly private. He needs all that extra room for his chin. That's what it is. So <laughs> I understand why Frank and Carrie's doing it, yes. But the other guys, you're absolutely right. Uh, in 2021, Mark Zuckerberg said part of the reason he was committed to advancing virtually reality technology was because it would, quote, be better for society and the planet than traveling on cars and planes all the time. That was an interview he did with this publication called The Information. So back in 2021, this wiener keeps telling you that, yeah, the worst thing you can do is travel, got to stop the cars, got to stop the planes. And in two months, he gets bored and just flies a couple houses next door. That's what this guy does all the time. And it's ridiculous. So Matt Bear, here's the real reality of what's going on right now. There's a group that's taking a tour around our building right now. And it looks like they're having fun. They're having an awesome time. Back by my office right now, there's like an open whiskey bottle. There's about four or five (laughs) beers sitting on my desk. Uh, There's some photos. Photoshop pictures of Nige and I that might not be politically correct. I got a bush light sitting right here in the studio. <laughs> right. Tried so, to hide it with the uh, styrofoam cup. So we just hope and pray that uh, nothing will be, uh, 
you know, viewed poorly upon us while they the, take this tour. The best part is the whiskey's going to be gone by the time you guys are done. Yeah, <laughs> right. Now we're having a good time. This is a tour. Look I got at- a Britney Spears calendar in my office because, you know, I got a little thing for Britney. And right. she's letting the girls breathe a little bit on this thing. And there's this respected group of, like, radio broadcasters, I think from South Dakota, making their way around the building right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, they will remember this trip and tour. That's the good thing. <laughs> we, we are unforgettable people, right? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Ted Cruz, that basketball rig. He's uh, <laughs> a senator from Texas since I believe the early, like 2013, I think he's been a senator from Texas. He was on The View today, and I'm still not quite sure. I didn't watch the entire thing. It was pretty good. It was riveting TV. I'm not sure why he was on The View. Uh, I don't know if he's promoting something or he's got, or maybe just, you know, the Republican agenda 15 days ahead of the midterms. I don't know. Oh, he was at the Yankee game last night rooting on the Astros. So I don't know what came first. Was he going to go to the game then said, hey, I'll be by. Do you want me on the view? Or was he booked on the view and said, you know what? I'll go watch the baseball game too. But it was good TV, the clips I've seen. I mean, they need more of that. And this guy, Ted Cruz is no slouch. It's like he knows how to debate these these right. as you call them chicken heads on the view these watching ted cruz go against whoopi goldberg in a debate yeah. about politics is like watching mike tyson try to fist fight stephen hawking <laughs> i mean that's really what it came down to today so let's uh let's take a listen here okay. here is uh the senator from texas ted cruz calling out the chicks on the view for their hypocrisy try to say the election was fair and square and legitimate. You know who y'all don't do that to? You don't do it to Hillary Clinton and Trump but, stole but the election. They didn't storm the Capitol. Yeah, they didn't try to kill Stacey my former Abrams, who said, boss. Who said that the election was stolen. They sat here yes, and said it was illegitimate right. and, and, it and was. you guys were fine with it. Okay, so, so, so it's illegitimate did, did when Republicans she, did, win, did, but not when Democrats win. No, you know, here's the thing. We may not like when Republicans win, but we don't go and we don't storm. We don't try to change what... We'll go did, did I miss an entire year of Antifa riots where cities across this country were burning and, and police cars well, were being yeah, fire burned? You Your position is the left doesn't engage in violence, really? <laughs> she has no answer to that. The left didn't engage in uh, planning an assassination attempt for Brett Kavanaugh. Nope. Or uh, protests of evil, violent rhetoric uh, spewed outside uh, Supreme Court justices' houses. Uh, the left wasn't involved in firebombing and vandalizing crisis pregnancy centers no. across this country. Of course ever not. Ever since Roe v. Wade. She has no leg to stand on. And Ted, uh, Ted Cruz is absolutely right. And don't play dumb. Um, don't act like, I don't know what you're talking about, Antifa riots. What's an Antifa riot? Stop it. Like, I get you're not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but now you're just embarrassing yourself. Stop it. Um, here's a little more. After reading off a list of Democrats calling the elections illegitimate, mm-hmm. listen to Anna Navarro. Uh, she's one of these women on The View. All she can do is tell Ted Cruz to lower his voice at the end. Hillary Clinton says the election is stolen from you. Hillary Clinton in 2002, George W. Bush was selected, not elected. Al Gore was was elected president. So Joe Biden yeah. claims you just George said we don't Bush scream at each other, right? Or, do, or, or is it just you that gets to okay. scream? Okay, no, no, I agree. Okay, I, then lower your voice because okay. we are very close okay. to it. That's all she has there. That's lower all she has. Voice. 
Stop spewing the truth so loudly. I'm sorry. I probably, you know, tend to raise my voice a little bit more when it's like 10 on one. Right. Even the Republican wink wink that they have on the view now is not a Republican. At least Meghan McCain would fight with these women once in a while. Now it's just somebody that goes along with the flow that's intimidated to be around Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar. Like, why should you have to be subservient to those losers? Unbelievable. Now, there was a little bit of an interesting moment in the show. The again, speaking of losers, these climate protesters. The, you know, the same people that throw soup on Van Gogh paintings and all that kind of stuff. Mashed potatoes on the Monet painting. They did that earlier <laughs> today. Uh, they started to yell and shout at Ted Cruz. But to her credit, Whoopi Goldberg had to step in and say, hey, cut the crap. Cause of And that is when the federal government spends too much money. Okay. We have seen trillions and trillions of dollars spent by Joe Biden and the Democrats. Just last year, last year, the federal government took in $4 trillion in tax revenues. Most money in history we've ever taken in. The problem is we spent nearly $7 trillion. And that's what- We do cover climate here, guys. We do cover climate. Ladies, ladies, excuse us. Let us do our job. Let us do our job. We hear what you have to say, but you gotta go. So even the lunatics on the left are getting worn out by the climate, folks. But you know what, Whoopi? You helped create that. Joy Behar, you helped create that. These are your people. Those aren't Ted Cruz supporters, I can promise you that, that are yelling out there about the climate situation, that are throwing things on paintings and pouring milk in the grocery stores. Those are your lunatic people. You have to own that. My favorite thing, that protest where they dumped all the milk out in the grocery store. One guy was like stepping all over, like in the milk, gingerly kind of tiptoeing through all the milk that was on the floor so he can get a bottle of 2%. (laughs) Excuse me, I just gotta... Yes. I know you're, yeah, 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 protested the climate but I need, uh, (laughs) kids eat milk for their cereal tomorrow. Um, Another bad education report now i think it was about two weeks ago on this show we had the story that uh the act scores came in for this year's high school seniors and they were the lowest they've been in over 30 years well now a new education report shows that math and reading scores among students have plummeted during the pandemic Uh, The latest data from the National Assessment of Education Progress, known as the nation's report card, had math scores dropping among fourth and eighth graders in nearly every state. Reading scores were also down in roughly half of the United States. Are we surprised by this? Something we've been talking about since the beginning of the pandemic when they shut schools down and we knew that kids weren't at risk. They weren't vectors and they weren't uh, suffering severely from the disease. And uh, we knew this was going to happen, particularly in lower income households where they don't have um, the ability for e-learning or big computer setups. Forget forget about that. The e-learning was a joke to begin with. And this doesn't surprise me at all. And everybody now is just kind of looking around wondering, well, what happened? We we need to analyze this. We need to look back and right. uh, take stock of, of what happened and who was making these decisions. They're trying to blame the Trump administration now for, for what happened. Take a listen to Jake Tapper on CNN. And you make a great point. Everybody knew what would happen. But all of a sudden, Jake Tapper now, he's shrugging his shoulders and he can't believe it. I have to say, I'm surprised that there hasn't been a national 
conversation about the damage done to kids because of these <laughs> what school closures and the virtual learning and everything. Because, I mean, I'm not saying it, there should be a national do-over, but we can't just pretend that fifth graders who are now seventh graders, that that didn't happen. You know, and like I feel like there should be and not not with a blame game. Look, it happened. People did it. It was criticized, the school closures, the virtual learning, et cetera. But here we are. Um, there needs to be yeah, like, a, I mean, like a bipartisan movement, you know? Jake, you're surprised because CNN didn't cover it. That's why you're stunned. Ask a parent. Yeah. Ask literally any parent who's had a school kid the last couple of years if they feel like their education has suffered unbelievable like i almost think he's like pulling like one of those pranks on me like what's that stupid <laughs> ashton kutcher show punked or junked or something like that like i'm waiting for him to come out junked. there's no way <laughs> no way that this guy could be that dumb all right coming up next we will get into the nitty-gritty of what went down with the decision for the colts to bench matt ryan and make sam ellinger the starter we'll speak with kevin bowen he does the morning show on our sister sports station, 107.5 The Fan. That conversation's coming up. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. We'll go straight to the drivehugo.com hotline and bring on Kevin Bowen from 107.5 The Fan. Just an abysmal, boring Colts game down in Tennessee. Colts lose 19-10. to Matt Ryan, quarterback, had an awful game. Big breaking news today is that Matt Ryan has been benched for the backup. Sam Ellinger, uh, KB, your thoughts? Yeah, this is something that didn't shock me too, too much. Um, just from the standpoint of, and I, I, don't, I can't remember if we had this conversation a few weeks back, guys, but when Sam Ellinger was promoted to the backup a few weeks ago, that had heavy, heavy Jim Irsay influence. Frank Reich is no dummy. He's on the hot seat. When your owner wants something or influences you in a way or makes it very clear behind closed doors that he's fond of another player and not fond of the current starter, um, you don't ignore that. And I think this has some Jim Mercy influence as well. At the same time, I don't think Frank Wright can be naive to, you know, Matt Ryan has been a turnover machine with the Colts uh, now for seven games. Uh, Ryan does have an injury. Uh, Frank Wright called it a grade two shoulder separation earlier today, but also made it clear that this move would have been made uh, even if Ryan was healthy. Oh, wow. When did he, when, when did he get that injury? Was that Sunday? Boy, I, I feel like I've seen him favor something on his body. Like, yeah. in the last three or four games, yeah. he's been hit a ton. He's been sacked a ton. So, I just think it's a little bit of a 37-year-old quarterback who has not been injured often in his career, just kind of over time piling up. But, you know, I, I don't, I can't pinpoint one exact hit. Or it's not like he's exited the game due to injury at all here in recent weeks. And to be perfectly clear, even with this shoulder injury, the report that we're hearing is that this was a performance-based benching, and he's back at number three. Nick Foles is at number two. Is that right? Correct, yeah. And again, his injury will not allow him to practice. He will not be active for this week. I mean, I would think a question would be, guys, you're a week out from the NFL trade deadline. I mean, wouldn't Matt Ryan and or Nick Foles be available for trade? Um, that wow. would seem to be a wise thing to entertain. Uh, but I just think big picture, guys, I mean, this is just another admittance of how the Colts have failed the most important position in sports for several years now. And ever since Andrew Luck retired, 
Uh, that first conversation that day after had to be, how do we go out and find the next answer? And they've elected to go the Band-Aid route, and they've lost valuable draft capital. They've you know invested $20-some million into that position in each of the last couple of years, and they thought Philip Rivers would be longer than a year, and he retired. They thought Carson Wentz would be the answer for longer than a year. Basically, your, your admittance today is Matt Ryan's done. I mean, Ellinger is the plan quarterback for the rest of the year, and I would be stunned if wow. Matt Ryan was this team's quarterback at all again or moving forward. So you mentioned Whoa. on our show before and reiterated this today that this kind of feels like a Jim Ursay decision here. Now, Ursay has spoke just very highly of Matt Ryan, compared his leadership to Peyton Manning's. We even heard that before the game against Tennessee on a couple of the national shows. Ultimately, does this look bad upon Jim Ursay himself? Yeah, I, I, I guess you could definitely say that. I mean, I, I know he's certainly praised you know the leadership, and I don't know, I think he called it Navy SEAL-like. Um, that seems to be his new catchphrase lately, and, and, and compared it to Peyton Manning, um, I, I think it's I think it's bad on the whole organization. I mean, top down, you know, you have had um, an acceptance from the owner and going again with this short-term stopgap band-aid route, and you've missed. Um, and when you do that, you stunt, I think, the growth of your franchise. You limit, you know, how successful you can be, um, not only in a one-year increment, but I would say for several years. Because, again, even if Matt Ryan was going to be the guy for two years, he's 37 years old. It's not like he was going to be here for five more years. So, you know, if you're guys like Jonathan Taylor or, you know, Quentin Nelson or DeForest Buckner, you know, some of these young Michael Pittman, some of these young guys that are entering their prime, um, you got to be very frustrated by the fact that this revolving door continues, and the revolving door now is a six-round quarterback. You know, I, Sam Ellinger has some traits that you know the Colts really love. Um, they love his leadership, and he certainly can move, which is advantageous behind this offensive line right now. But there's a reason why he lasted until the 200-something pick in the draft a few years ago. So it's not like you're handing the keys over to this, you know, second, third round pick, you know, even first round pick that, you know, it's only been a matter of time, kind of a waiting in the wings sort of thing. And you really feel like this guy can be the franchise quarterback. Maybe Ellinger would totally prove me wrong, but I just think he has the stealing as a nice backup. Did um, the pass protection and the offensive line play any part in the performance of Matt Ryan, I know he was very well yeah. protected last week, but this week he was on his butt an awful lot. I mean, did that have something to do yes. with it? Yes, without question. It's actually something Reich mentioned today, that the Colts have not supported Matt Ryan, and I would agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, I would agree that they didn't support. I would argue they did not support Carson Wentz either. Um, and, and when you say support, you mean what you told Matt Ryan when that trade happened was, you know, here's an 1,800-yard rusher in Jonathan Taylor. Here's an offensive line that has tons of investment. And we will protect you and we'll give you a rushing attack that you haven't had probably throughout his career. Um, and they have not lived up to that. So I do think this is a, this is a multiple way street, if you will. And that Matt Ryan, again, has turned the ball over like a first year quarterback. But at the same time, you have lacked the support around him. Kevin Bowen joining us does the morning show on our sister sports station, 107.5 The Fan, Kevin and Query. So, KB, let's say that Allinger's the guy. He finishes out the year. The Colts miss the playoffs. They win a couple games along the way. What do the Colts look for in the NFL draft? Is it a quarterback? Is it a left tackle? What do you think? 
Yeah, I think you have to look into quarterback. Um, yeah, I, I I think you have to. I, I even if you know Ellinger shows a flash or two, uh, there are limitations. In particular, I think arm strength is a bit of a limitation. I know it's something that that, that he's worked on. I'm curious to see what happens when defenses actually game plan for him and you know have sort of you know spies or whatever you know assigned to him as, as a runner. Um, but it's the most important position in sports, and you know there's a phrase of sustained success that um, I think when you look at QBs around the league, if you want to give your franchise the best opportunity to have a chance for a five to seven, five to ten year window, having that quarterback in place is the way to do it. And yes, the Colts are in the middle of round one right now, drafting order. They'd have to trade up to get one of the top QBs. But you know some of these top QBs, AFC right now, they weren't the top you know quarterback in that draft class, whether it's Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson or Justin Herbert. Uh, it's not easy. you got to identify the right one. Uh, you've got to make that selection. And then, of course, the Colts do need to continue to build around that guy. And so what do you think um, when speaking to Colts fans? Like, uh, Is there a glimmer of hope now? I mean, the Colts are, what, 3-3 three and three and, and 1? Right. Uh, what, like, what do you think? I mean, the... Are we going to the playoffs or are we tanking? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we're going to the playoffs or we're tanking, KB. Well, God bless the AFC South because I don't think Tennessee is yeah. going to run away with it. I, I don't think they're a great football team, even though they are four and two right now. Um, but this is a sign, certainly, of of a tank, of a you know one eye looking towards the future. I mean, it's unprecedented in Colts history to do something like this. Yeah. Um, now I, I want to make it clear: I'm good with it. I mean, it was clear that Matt Ryan was not the guy. That was evident through seven weeks. And I'm a big believer in that once you find that out, play the youth. See what you have. No position in sports is more different than uh, practice versus a game than quarterback in the NFL. You literally wear a different color jersey in practice than you do in a game. So you, you never really know what you have until you put him him out there. You know, like a guy like Jacob Eason, who they had a few years ago, they put him out there for five snaps. Now, it didn't go well, but – Again, you got to get them into some live bullet settings until you truly know. So, you know, according to Frank Reich today, Sam Ellinger's the guy the rest of the year. He's going to get nine games. What a golden opportunity for him! Or, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. If this team misses the playoffs, is this the end of Frank Reich? Is this the end of Chris Ballard? Does one survive? Do both survive? What do you think? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say Reich is a little is on a hotter seat internally than Ballard. I personally think they should be tied at the hip together. Uh, I'm a big believer in that. You know, you you go ahead and make that move and, and totally start over. Uh, but I think in Ursay's eyes, I think he holds Ballard in a little bit of a higher light than he does Reich. Was and there yeah, was there a meeting the last night, KB? I'm sorry. Was there a meeting last night between these two? Like, is this how this whole thing came to be? Uh, Reich made it clear that this decision was made this morning. Um, came in and watched the film, then confirmed that. Uh, but I will reiterate what I said to you guys earlier. Um, I'm not acting like Jim Mercer literally picked up the phone and called Matt Ryan to inform him. But Frank Reich is no dummy. He knows how his owner feels. I think there was some heavy influence from the owner in this decision. All right. So if we want to get more information and have a little reaction, where can we go? Yeah, tomorrow morning, 7 to 10 a.m. We'll be chatting about it on Kevin and Query on our sister station, uh, 107.5 The Fan, and then there's some written content up on the website, 107.5thefan.com. Kevin Bowen, KB, thanks, thanks man. Thanks, KB. Yep, see you guys.
It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Here's another lewd, nude dude in the news. Say the majority of these stories come out of Florida. The majority, I mean, yeah. This is um, this is Ohio, Ohio man. Ohio yeah, man, Ohio okay. Man, Cody Hartman, thirty-two. Uh, arrested in Cincy, um, outside of one of the entertainment districts. He's getting naked and trying to fight fans who were out celebrating the Bengals' 35-17 win over the Atlanta Falcons yesterday. So he's a local man <laughs> yeah. celebrating the win by getting naked and fighting. What <laughs> the hell? I want to party with you, cowboy. <laughs> that guy knows how to party. According to the police report, took off all his clothes. Exposed his exposed his privates. Ooh, and then he, he was trying to he was trying to get into it. He was trying to fight random people who passed by. Uh, they said they caught him red-handed on a city police camera mounted on a pole, and he was charged with public indecency, disorderly conduct. I say this is an unfair fight to begin with. I mean, this guy is kind of a wimp. Like you don't get like nobody wants to fight a naked guy. Right. You could be like the biggest, tallest, muscular, muscle-bound meathead in existence. Some weird, hairy, naked, drugged-out dude comes up to you and starts fight, wanting to fight. You're like, no, no. Please right. leave me alone, sir. Leave me alone. It's flopping a little too close to me. <laughs> I feel uncomfortable. I would feel more comfortable fighting with clothes on, but can you please get those things away from me? This has been another lewd nude dude in the Big uh, sports news. Uh, Sam Ellinger, uh, backup quarterback for the Colts, is no longer the backup. Matt Ryan is benched. He's number three now, Matt Ryan. That's crazy. Uh, Behind Ellinger and uh, Foles. Right. right? So we'll have more on that coming up after 6 o'clock, an entire hour of the Hammer Nigel show on the way. What's the deal with, so what's the baseball lineup? What are we looking at here? World Series is set. It's the Phillies taking on the Astros in the World Series. Now, the Astros, they're the team that got busted cheating a couple of years ago and basically got a slap on the wrist. Really kind of technical kind of cheating too, right? With, with, I don't know. Buzzers. Buzzers and stuff like that. Right. It started with just banging trash cans and then it morphed into like cameras and buzzers and all types of stuff. So I'm telling you, the minute the Astros get to Philadelphia, Astros have the home field here. So it'll be game three, I think, before they get to Philly. Those Philly fans are going to light them up. Mm. Philly fans are brutal, man. It's going to be a wild, wild scene. And I'm a Cubs fan, so I'm rooting for the Phillies. They got Schwarber. They got Castellanos former Cubs players. This is what it sounded like yesterday. It was complete bedlam in Philadelphia. They were down by one, bottom of the eighth, runner on, and Bryce Harper, their star, hits the go-ahead bomb. On the seventh pitch, Harper hits one in the air, left center field, back it goes! Harper! The swing of his life! And then you've got people running out to the streets. They're climbing on light poles. They're sliding down light poles. And this is a good matchup. This is a, this is a decent. This is an interesting matchup for Major League Baseball fans. It is. It's two larger cities. The Phillies weren't supposed to be here. They're kind of the Cinderella in this thing, but they're playing good ball right now. So I'm kind of interested in it.